Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another episode. It's the first Monday of the month, which is Patreon Request Day here at the Metal Exchange. And we go back to 1996 for a very formative album for us. Uh, Thanks to Adam Askoff, uh, one of our top-tier Patreon members, for his request. um, As we cover Superior's Behind album, their debut full-length release from 1996. But before we get there... Talking all things superior. How are you, my friend? I, I'm good. I thought the album came out in 1995. So um, there is some debate about that, which we'll get to. We'll, we'll get oh, okay. to that. Yeah, I'll, I'll Sorry, get to I that. Jumped in a the gun. I, I made like the pretty. I made like pretty maids, and I jumped the gun. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll explain why it okay. was recorded in '95. It my copy came out in '96 after they signed with like I guess we'll call it Noise Records. But there's some some indication that it might have come out in 95 but i am pretty sure it was early 96 by the time it, it it actually saw the light of day but i digress how are you my friend i'm good now that now that we have that all sorted uh yeah <laughs> yes i'm good i i um i'm i'm excited to talk about this because this was one of those albums where instead of it just being something that like i just missed completely it was something that i listened to forgot about and now i'm <laughs> all reminded of of uh of this album that i had on disc as a teenager in high school so uh i think you had this before i did but we'll we'll get there um before we before we talk all things german prog metal what did you listen to this week a couple of things um i there was a a few new uh a couple of things in th- that that was interesting uh, that uh, you you meant you brought to my attention. Uh, X Japan has a a new song. Uh, how long has it been since X Japan released a song? Eight years, and it was kind of an interesting song because it's a ballad, and for the most part, you really don't hear the band, but for about fifteen se- seconds. So it's it was a really interesting release. I'm curious to know if you if you liked it. I know we covered them obviously in the archives um, some time ago now, but uh, what did you think of the single? Uh, it sounds like it could have been on a uh, video game soundtrack by yeah, a Japanese composer. So, um, so it was it was X Japan. It was you know, it was good. I, I thought it was a good song, but I I, I want to hear more from from the actual release. Yeah, um, had it's kind of what I would have expected from them as far as a kind of a a more mellow type of song with lots of like piano and and that kind of thing um you know i did not know and i just found this out today that uh eclipse has a new album coming out i believe in september um oh wow i had no idea there's three singles out already and i hadn't heard any of them so that makes two of us any good yeah so i just pre i don't know i haven't listened to them yet oh, uh, still I haven't pre- listened. okay i pre-ordered the album though today so i have the three songs i will listen to them and report back next week but uh yeah, I had no idea. Um, that one just completely uh, went right by me. Um, and uh, my my continuation through catching up ha- is almost almost complete. I'm so close. Uh, I'm like th- two or three albums behind, which I'm pretty excited about. But not I- to be confused with the album we covered this week. By the same name, but I yes. digress. Go ahead. Um, I I took 
I took uh, three and a half uh, to four and a half hours last week and listened to the Entering Polaris uh, double <laughs> album, which um, like just felt like it was never going to end. Not in a not necessarily in a bad way, but it was uh, long, a lot there, right? Yeah, and, and really interesting how um, the two discs have almost musically nothing to do with one another and two more on the way that supposedly sound nothing like the first two so who knows what it's gonna be a death metal album or something yeah it's it's pretty clever actually um the first disc was like just really good uh power metal with like maybe progressive power metal but it had power metal elements a lot of power metal vocalists including fabio leone um it was very akin to um you know similar uh, metal opera type things with all the different vocalists and stuff. But then the second disc was like this like prog rock acoustic kind of very mellow uh, experience. But I did give it a listen. Um, I preferred I, uh, the I preferred the power metal disc. I'll be, I'll be yeah, honest. I did too. I didn't dislike the second disc, but I just thought that it was a little bit more repetitive and um, similar, so to speak. Um, what else did I catch up on as I scroll through? This list of things, uh, let's see, an album I'm not allowed to talk about. Um, <laughs> that that will let me let me let me let me be clear. I alluded to something a few months ago, and uh, I was sworn I was sworn not to say anything on this podcast about said album, and then I shared it with you, and you were also sworn not to say anything about said album. It will all make sense. At some point. Yeah. And when uh, it does, uh, it I will let too, the cat out of the bag. Yeah, and it won't be too uh, long from now. Um, that's the other thing I listened to, the uh, the new Bloodbound album, Tales from the North, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, nothing really that I was uh, – nothing unexpected coming from the Bloodbound camp, but just solid as always. And uh, I continue to listen to the new Voyager album as well. I'm on, I've listened to that three times now, and uh, as Voyager albums typically do, it's uh, – growing on me with um each each listen um and uh yeah that's pretty much it i actually have two albums left on my docket that i want to get to edge of paradise and elaine um and then i should be all caught up so uh yay for me we we are in this summer lull right now which is a good time to catch up. And I, I say summer lull just because I think that instead of having 20 albums come out in a particular week, maybe there's one or two that I'm kind of checking out at this point. So that's a good thing. But well, this I'm hoping week, to use some of this time to catch up on some of the bands at Prog Power too that I wish, like, that I want to know or be more uh, aware of, like Caligula's Horse. So um, that, that'll that be a, another bonus of things being a little slow as far as releases go. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, one album that did come out this week that I was uh, interested in and made a point of checking out was the new Arch Echo album. And for those that don't know, Arch Echo is a uh, prog metal band very much in the vein of a Dream Theater or a Haken, albeit without vocals. And uh, band of Prog Power alum, actually, if, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. I know that uh, these are a bunch of Berkeley grads and they are more than proficient at their instruments. They are quite talented. Uh, and the album was good. I, I think that if you're interested in an instrumental prog metal album, you could do a lot worse than this. It was quite enjoyable. I'll probably go back to it. And uh, the second album I listened to was really spawned from our um, 
our monthly Patreon chat. And, and this one, I have to give credit to Adam Askoff again, because not only did we do his superior album this week, or, you know, we're going to talk about them momentarily, but he recommended um, Re in Chaos, the final album from Dissection. And I promised him I would give it a listen because what the way he was talking about this, it was just so markedly different from um, Storm of the Lightsbane that we had covered in the archives. You know, God, it got to be over a year ago now. And it was, this album really wasn't a black metal album. There were certain elements of it in the vocal delivery, but in many ways it was more of like a straight up metal or maybe a melodic death metal album in spots, but it was just a really interesting listen. And um, something that I will go back to, I I enjoyed it thoroughly and I, I don't know why it didn't get the praise that it got, or maybe that it should have gotten back when it was released, but it was a very good album. Um, and it was kind of cool to go back and just hear something completely different from this band that left its mark on the black metal scene 30 years ago. Yeah. I wonder if almost it was like, uh, the, the intended audience of the previous album didn't take to the change in style and maybe, you know, sometimes it's like, uh, you know, like prog metal, uh, prog metal fans might've heard falling into infinity and thought it was like the worst dream theater album ever, but a bunch of girls that we did in high school seemed to really enjoy it. So, uh, you know, different strokes for different folks folks and, uh, different skies for Peruvian skies. I I don't know, but, um, it was really, uh, really a good listen. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it thoroughly and I'll go back to it. Um, but let's, let's talk about superior. This, this is a band that, one of those bands I knew we would cover. I wasn't quite sure when, and and certainly no better time than the present. As 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 we go back, and I, you know, I, I this it's interesting. I I knew this was their debut album, but I, I didn't really know much about the band's history. And I think we'll get a little deeper into this when we actually talk to some of the guys from the band in an episode that will be le- released as a companion to this episode, which I'm looking forward to immensely. Uh, but the band apparently formed back in 1987 and it would be nine, eight or nine years before behind the album we're talking about today would come out. Uh, prior to that, they had released three separate demos, demos, moral Alliance, which came out in 1989, Bright as Night in 1990, and Time Shift back in 1992. I have not had the pleasure of hearing any of the, that material. I would be very curious to hear um, that and how kind of this band would morph into uh, a, really a progressive metal juggernaut back in 1996 because I remember I got this album after you did. So I think I even heard much or at least some of your copy before I got mine. But our mutual friend Pat was just saying like behind, behind, you have to hear this album. And it makes sense. There is some phenomenal material. And when I say phenomenal, I'll I'll get to that in a little bit. But um, there is some just world-class progressive metal on this album. And it's a band that was kind of lost to time in many regards because Two years later, they would come out with their second album, Unique. They'd come out with their third and final album, Ultima Ratio, in 2002, and they haven't done anything in 20 years. So um, a band that has truly been lost to time in, in a number of ways. Yeah, definitely uh, shout out to Pat um, because I'm almost 99.9% positive that it was he was the one who told me that I should check this album out. And as I've alluded to in the past, a lot of times uh, back then, 
I would just kind of compile a list of, of stuff from Pat and kind of hand it off to relatives and stuff, uh, you know, ahead of birthdays and Christmases and stuff like that in hopes that might get some, you know, surprise uh, albums for, you know, the holidays or, or what have you. And I don't remember if this was one that I just bought from him directly or um, somebody else got it for me. I honestly don't remember, but um, I just remember like there being a lot of um, a lot of positive uh, energy uh, around this album, and um, you know, uh, piggybacking on your 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 mentioning of the the demos that the band had, um, according to. The Metal Archives or Encyclopedia of Metallum, whatever you want to call them, um, the band was kind of uh, considered more of a power metal band. And I assume in their early days, that's in reference to their demos. Um, in 2000, uh, they independently released an, a, a thing called Ancient Tapes, and it has uh, all the demos, I guess, that were recorded from 87 to 92 Um we might have to ask the guys when we speak to them uh, where or if it's possible to even get a hold of this, because I would be super curious to hear the pre-behind uh, Superior, because um, these guys, I mean, it's pretty clear to me that they're very, uh, very talented musicians. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely have um, memories of getting this album along with like, you know, Mercury Risings, uh <laughs> Uh, upon deaf ears and just kind of like albums that at the time you didn't know if you were listening to the next dream theater or the next eternity X, you know, like who you had no idea what was going to be a big deal or maybe even not even what was a, a big deal at the time. It was so much harder to gauge without the massive social media, uh, you know, world out there where there's so much commentary on things and there's just, you know, um, so yeah, it's, uh, you didn't know if it was going to be a, like they were going to be a big deal or not, but I do remember that they uh, were invited to play at Prague Power USA, um, and that's usually a sign that you're uh, a pretty pretty good band. If you and get that was in two thousand and one, if I'm not mistaken, that they played Prague Power. So it was certainly after this album uh, and after the second album, but uh, Ultimate Ratio had not yet come out. So at the time, they were if that's the barometer, right. Or if that's a barometer, they were, they were on the radar of a lot of people um, at, at this time. And I, and, and understandably so, because, you know, I, I just think that this was a time when there were not as many bands coming out. It was harder to put out albums. You had to have a physical release. There were no MP3s and, you know, it wasn't easy to just kind of record an album in your basement and make it sound great. Like a lot of solo you know guys are able to do now they just kind of put these things together they trade files over the internet and the next thing you know you have this recording that sounds like it's you know is better than anything that came out 30 years ago so it was um really a really interesting time and with the exception of a band like dreamscape the german prog metal scene was not like that big they they never i mean you know these bands like vanden plus sure but like for the most part there was um you know, I guess it was one of the bigger prog metal scenes in Europe, but it wasn't like it wasn't like anything like Dream Theater or Queensryche or even a Fate's Warning in the states. I I got a kick out of these um, these split cassette tapes that came out. Um, I don't know if you saw these, but like in '96, they had a split cassette tape with Eldritch, um, 
that had the true thank kind and escape from reality on side A and then Eldritch, Eldritch's last embrace and colors on side B. And then they had another one with uh, Symphony X and, and Vandaplus, as you just mentioned. Um, man, I forgot that they used to do stuff like that. It's so cool. Um, but yeah. yeah, I guess being that they were all on the same record label at the time, it was a cool way to kind of get a number of bands on uh, somebody's radar in in one in one blast. Yeah, and and I mean, I'm I'm curious to to know what the effect of that kind of a cassette was, but what a collector's item that must have been back in the day. That had to be really really cool. Um, let's, let's get into the band a little bit, shall we? It's, uh, they were a six piece band. Uh, Michael Tangerman was the vocalist, Bern Basmer on guitar, Michael Mueller on guitar, Martin Reichert on bass, Jean Marco Becker on keyboards and Thomas Mayer on drums. And, um, this would be the core lineup as far as I know that would kind of stay together through the entire, um, you know, through the entire run for this band. They brought in some other musicians to kind of help them with, um, certain things, but Burn Burn Basmer was basically the main songwriter and and lyricist, along with Michael Muller. Um, the two of them, when you when you combine their efforts, they did a lot of it. Uh, John Marco Becker did a lot of the songwriting as well, and, and credit to him because um, he actually wrote one of my favorite songs of all time, which I'll get to in a little bit. And when you hear the song, I think it makes sense why the keyboard, you know, that's that song kind of lent itself to a keyboard player writing it for, for reasons we'll get to shortly. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a three headed monster with this band in terms of the songwriting and whatnot. Um, yeah. What, what else can I say? This is, this was a long time coming and I want to thank Adam for the, um, you know, for the recommendation. Yeah. Did we, I, I kind of, I'm a little confused on this, but did, did we introduce Adam to superior and then he in turn requested that we cover the yeah, album? Yeah. And okay. I don't even, my memory is so bad, but we've been talking to Adam for a while, and I think we actually turned him on to the band. Was it refer- you know, I, I, Was this because he had listened to it? And forgive me, Adam, I love you, but I just don't remember. I, did we send him the Eternity X stuff, and then he's like, does anything else sound like this? And maybe we said Superior. Is that possible? I forgot, I forgot the genesis of the story. I have no clue. <laughs> well, we, will, we, we can report back with that, but uh, this was a band that he became like a super fan of. 20 years after their, you know, after their run had ended. And this was the album that I think just really hooked him. Um, but he was, he became like a massive fan and with good reason, there was some really good material on this album. I- I'm curious to know your thoughts on, on one thing in particular. And that's, did you find that listening to them in, with, with the benefit of hindsight that you found a newfound appreciation for the band or did, had you always been kind of a big fan of, 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 of them? Uh, to honestly, the the first two songs were the ones that I really remembered like super well. Like, um, was like yesterday. Like as soon as I heard them, just all came rushing back. Even uh, and the tra- track number two, why I actually put on a playlist not that long ago because every now and again I try to make a playlist of older material that for whatever reason had never made a playlist in dating all the way back to the very first mixtape back in 1997 and why seemed like a pretty egregious uh omission so um that was a playlist that i made only a couple of years back uh but i vaguely remembered the rest of the album like it all definitely clicked and sounded familiar but like i didn't feel like i remembered it as well as i should have and the more i listened to it i was like why 
why didn't I listen to this more? And why didn't I like it more when I was in high school? Was there, was I inundated with other albums that I got? At yeah, because you time? were too busy listening to Legendary Tales by Rhapsody, and you probably just put that on repeat. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did listen to that one quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> but um, I also think, and and I think that's going to be a uh, prevailing uh, sentiment as this episode goes on, that this was a band that was. Uh, ironically not behind but actually quite ahead of their time um because to me sonically um technically uh just musically this feels like it would have fit now and people would have ate this up you know if this album came out this year like that'd be the album that we wouldn't be allowed to talk about this week (laughs) i i know and and i gotta be honest with you i mentioned this to you offline they were ahead of their time. And like, if you would have back then it was dream theater or bust. And I have no doubt that this band had some influence uh, because of hearing images and words. It's just obvious. Not that it sounds like images and words, but the influence was there um, for sure. Especially with the prominent keys and whatnot, you know, listening to Kevin Moore's uh, piano and whatnot. But that being said, um, Somewhere around 2010, a lot of prog bands started popping up and actually gaining a massive following, not only in the States, but throughout Europe and the rest of the world. Bands like Haken, who I mentioned earlier, bands like Leprous, different sound, but certainly in that prog metal you know, scene. Symphony X had started to gain some real traction with some of their most recent releases, even if they're not my personal cup of tea. But these were all bands that started getting extremely popular and for whatever reason, um, I don't know, like Superior would have, I felt like, been on the cutting edge of this and could have been Germany's answer to some of these other bands had they come out with this album in 2012 instead of 1996. Uh, I think that's all very fair. Um, I think around this time, Germany was definitely uh, more of a power metal uh, hub. When you think about the the Blind Guardians and Halloweens and Ed Guys and Gamma Rays of the world, uh, shit, I mean, I guess Ed Guy really was just, just getting started around this time. But um, yeah, you don't really tend to think of Germany when you think of uh, like 90s progressive metal. But uh, maybe, you know, maybe Superior might be that the, the ultimate uh, German progressive metal band. Or I'm probably missing someone important and I'm going to get flamed for it. But uh I don't know. Um, it just to me, I can't off the top of my head. I can't really think of anybody obvious. No, I, like I said, I mentioned a couple of the bigger German artists before, but none of them got into that stratosphere where they were doing, uh, you know, tours of the United States. I mean, like I said, Haken and Leprous are, are touring this country and playing large rooms, and I feel like these guys could have been right where there with them um, in many ways. But you know. Timing is everything, as they say, and this is unfortunately no different. I'd love to get some more details about that. I'm sure uh, we will ask about that when the time is right. But, uh, you know, let's get into it. This album clocks in at just under an hour. It's about 56 minutes and change. Uh, And and I don't know that there's a real let up on the entire thing. And by that, I mean, you can turn on any track and say, you know what? Pretty damn good. Um, And some are just, you know, incredible. It starts with what can only be described as a joke in many ways in terms of the title, because we, we talk about it a lot as the truth ain't kind. And we throw that in with a lot of the, you know, the inside jokes that we use or whatnot. But this thing just after a very, very brief intro, it kicks off with one of the best riffs you will ever hear. 
this crunchy killer riff for, for lack of a better turn. And the keyboards play a really kind of an accompanying role on this track. Um, these spooky keyboards that permeate the track. But what stuck out to me, and I don't think I ever listened to it in, with such, um, you know, looking for details, the drumming on this track is absolutely phenomenal. And some of like just the rhythms that he uses to drum on this thing is really good. And of course, a very memorable chorus. Um, I'm curious to know your thoughts on this one, because I, I this was obviously one of the ones that you remembered well. Yeah, it's um, you, everything you said really uh, hit the nail on the head. The, the, the thing I'll, I'll say this, I, um, I had to run out earlier and so I popped this uh, this album on in the car and literally had the entire time I was gone had enough time to listen to the first two tracks and that's <laughs> it. But I was um, I was amazed at how good this album sounded in my car. Compare that to when I listened to Emperor in my car and <laughs> oh my god, it was like oh it was damn damn near painful. Um, whereas this was like it made me feel like I had in- invested in better speakers in my car without ever having to do anything um i was really amazed this album is uh is coming up on 30 years old and and it it sounded just wonderful um and you're right like you know the um the drums are really crisp and um really uh, everything sounds so good the the keyboards like you said it's like uh almost like that dissonance that you get from like a halloween you know, but it's like Superior's own kind of uh, Halloweeny kind of, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's everything is just really really well done. It, it um, and like crunchy is definitely the going to be the word of the day with with this band because um, it's just the the guitars are just so again also very crisp um, and and my God like the vocals on this album. Um, Michael uh, Tangerman, is it? Um, what a great vocalist! Probably one of the more underrated singers from the this era, and and I, I definitely plan on getting into the the ever ever like hidden or or like dis uh, I don't know missing disappeared uh, superior acoustic set. Uh, but I'll get into that either later today or or when we speak to them. I think we'll definitely talk about it when we speak to them. But um, again, just like I remember that particularly because of how because it was acoustic and you really got to hear his voice kind of rise above. There wasn't all that electric noise, so to speak, that was kind of drowning it out a bit. Um, you really got to hear what a great singer he is. But I mean, l- listen to this album. Like, dude is is a is a force so and a very this is just a group guys that are great like a great bunch of musicians great singer um and like and like you said before like uh, a a a three-headed songwriting machine that that really did a hell of a job and i i think the vocals are very distinct sounding going back to, to that it's it's uh he doesn't sound like anybody else really and you can kind of pick out those vocals um pretty pretty clearly um, a g- very good opening track, not my favorite song on the album, uh, but one of my favorites and just really kind of a great pace setter for the album. Um, and then we get to, I guess what we'll just say is kind of the, um, in many ways, the, the magnum opus on this thing, it, it, a track that's almost 10 minutes long, a song called why, which you had said you would put on a playlist. Um, not so, not so, um, 
not so I, I guess far back in the past. In other words, like you recently used this track, yeah, like on 20, a playlist. Twenty three years too late. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'm going to give you the floor. Talk to me about why. What do you think about this track? Oh my god, it's just um, it's just everything that you would want in a in a progressive metal song. Um, it's almost ten minutes long and. It never feels that way. It doesn't drag. It's it's um. There's so many really cool parts to it. It starts out. You think you think you're listening to a very um, emotional ballad. Uh, I guess in in a way you 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 are, uh, but just a very piano, uh, just piano and voice, um, and and the the um, the piano playing is so haunting and and I'd like to ask them um if they used an actual piano or if it was just a keyboard piano sound but I love stuff that sounds like a real piano. I mean I love keys, you know that. Um but there's something like really cool about when it sounds like an actual piano and it's mixed in with metal. But um it's just this really really emotional beginning and then the piano starts to get faster and pick up and then the drums and the guitars come in and, and there's, there's just so much going on in this song. That's so good. And the lyrics are phenomenal. I mean, like really thought provoking lyrics. I get chills every time I hear this song. And that to this day, I get chills when I hear this song um, for many of the reasons that you, you talked about earlier, but there's something about the middle where there's this like offbeat drumming and these really, again, crunchy riffs over the top. It is just absolute magic together and you can't just help move yourself to the beat. Um, this is a top five song for me of all time. And I mean, by any band, by any artist. That's how much esteem I hold this song in. Um, and for that reason, I was, I was, I wanted to give you the floor because if you didn't choose this, this has to be my song of the week because it's quite frankly, one of the best songs I've ever heard bar none. So let's give it a listen and we'll, we'll come back and talk about, uh, we'll finish up talking about why. Simply put, I, I think it's prog metal perfection. I just think it's an absolutely perfect tune from beginning to end. And for a track that is nearly 10 minutes long, it never feels long in the tooth. I mean, I could listen to this thing on repeat and it feels like it was four and a half minutes, which is the biggest compliment I can give an epic song like this. Agreed 100%. Um, I'm going to share the song of the week with you because um, it's just one of those, I think, songs where 
as much as I could probably pick another song, I feel like it, I wouldn't be true to myself. Like this really is one of those songs that uh, I think both of us uh, feel strongly about it. And it, it, that it, that's what's going to be. Um, I agree a hundred percent regarding the lyrics. And I think it's, it's impressive because in the mid nineties, sometimes when you get a year, a, 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 an album from a European band, um, there's some trouble with the English translation. It does this things get lost in translation that sometimes is an issue. There's some bands were, were worse than others, but um, this, this is like really cogent and coherent English. And, and I'm not saying that to be um, uh, what's the uh, word I'm looking for. Um, well, whatever it is, like it, it's just, I think it's impressive because there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of stuff that was a combination of, of either like poorly translated English or just accents that were so heavy that it was difficult to actually understand what the vocalist was saying. I mean, I love legendary tales, but God, I think to this day, I still don't know half the shit Fabio was singing without that booklet. I'm lost. Yeah. But the booklet was written in like old English, like with the, true. With, with calligraphy. So also calligraphy's horse. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Whatever, but like, I mean, his vocals I think are so crisp and clear, and because the the translation is is done so well, like it, I don't know, I never even stopped to think like, hey, these guys might not be <laughs> from America. Like, it's just I don't know. I I feel like I'm going off on a tangent here, but um, it, it's I I just really uh, lyrics don't always pierce me as well as well as much as they should because i'm always just doing a million other things but like like you said like i feel like these lyrics are so poignant and they really just kind of hit you and and it's both like content wise but also musically um so yeah if any of that makes sense i i hope it did um <laughs> no i mean it makes perfect sense and i i think that for all those reasons an absolute classic. And and that is not to say that the rest of the album isn't enjoyable. I think we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go forward. Um, oh, and this um, is... we should also mention that we will definitely be posting the prog power performance of the song. Um, that is one but... of the few live performances I've ever seen of this band, like, like a video of, of the band live. And it is a remarkable performance. I am kicking myself for not being at that show. I think it's also one of the only or one of the few performances that that has have been publicly released uh, vi- on video of that prog power two. Um, if you have access to the prog power five DVD that had a bunch of uh, clips going back to previous prog powers um, back when it was probably like one still camera and one moving camera. And they just kind of like the producer was just pressing camera, one camera, two, <laughs> one camera two. Uh, but it, it got the job done, and and so that video is definitely uh, on YouTube. I believe we alluded to it last week, and I think we'll make that my post. Sunday select. Yeah, and that was the first prog power that uh, took place at Center Stage in Atlanta. Um, so definitely uh, history there. But we definitely plan on talking to the guys from the band about that um, because, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but as far as I know, it was the only show they have played in the u.s before. that's that is that is correct um and they obviously played a lot of stuff off this album for for obvious reasons as it was only one of two that they had at the time um but let's let's go on with the rest of the album the the next track 
is called Dial 911. And this is interesting because it starts with this car crash, sirens, and a helicopter. And it's obviously why, you know, why, why they're dialing 911. This is a really proggy song, and I think that what jumps out to me here are these really understated bass lines that you hear, especially during the verses. It's a slower tune, very, very ominous sounding, and and the verses remind me of something, but I can't place it, and it's been killing me all week because for some reason I just can't liken it to what to, to what I want to um, compare it to. But the song itself. Um, is, is a really nice change of pace coming down a little bit from why I thought it was well placed on the album. And the overall song has a bit of a dreamscape vibe to me, which was one of their German contemporaries that was releasing albums, you know, just about the same time. So I, I don't know if they were, you know, friends or, or what have you, but certainly here's some similarities there. I know we kind of mentioned that this is like a band that was ahead of their time and this would have gone over like gangbusters in 2023, but this song definitely has kind of a vibe of the nineties prog scene um, yes. in a good way. Like uh, I think in a way that it, um, it holds up to this day um, again, more of that really crisp drumming that you hear that, uh, but it uh, definitely is a kind of a slower paced, song because like why really does pick up uh you know tempo wise throughout the song and then it kind of starts out slow and ends slow but in the big chunk of the middle is is pretty fast and so this is like really the first i think start to finish kind of uh slower slower kind of song compared to to the first two and and it it works really well and again the, the the thing that i think really um really stands out is just the production and how, how crisp everything sounds, you know, great guitars, great bass lines. Like you said, the vocals are fantastic. Um, the, the guitaring, the guitaring, uh, <laughs> uh the, the guitar work, uh, is, it's just, it's all excellent. Um, cool song. Um, again, I, I just don't understand like where, like why maybe I just wasn't ready for this. It's like that scene in back to the future where, uh, Marty McFly plays, uh, the Van Halen guitar solo for everybody in 1955. And he goes, Oh, maybe you're not ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it. <laughs> so, so, so true. Um, as we, as we move on here, we, we come to another track called tomorrow's Eve. And I have to think, and, and I could be wrong about this, but in 1999, another German band would come along by the name tomorrow's Eve and they would play prog metal. I have to think it was a, not in a, a wink and a nod to this song, but I could be wrong. But another German prog band adopting the, this this track or this track name is interesting to me. Um, the intro, my mind. The yeah, there you go. And they actually have a bit of a similar sound in in in, in the grand scheme of things. But uh, this is a cool little track. It, the intro gives me very strong Pink Floyd vibes, and it has these atmospheric strings and a really awesome-sounding acoustic flamenco guitar, which every time I hear this, I think of our friend Brian, who is just in love with this type of guitar sound. And it starts off as a ballad, but the song itself is rather heavy, and it kind of builds to that first chorus. Um not my favorite track on the album. It's slightly repetitive, but the bridge does a nice job of breaking it up or breaking up that monotony a little bit. Um, and, and the vocals during that bridge are an absolute highlight. So a good track. Not my favorite, but a, a, a good track nonetheless. Yeah, I think it starts out like a little bit um, unassuming. And then it really kind of picks up with like, again, like this really 
tight drumming and, and heavy guitar riffs. Um, the song never really like gets fast, much like the previous track. It's kind of a slower kind of tune that the band's really good at like keeping these slower tunes interesting. Like, you know, and I think again, the, I'll keep harkening back to the production and just the quality of the vocals and the instrumentation. Um, everything just sounds really great. And this is, this song is no different. Um, I really like just the, um, there's kind of like the, the keyboards in the background are just providing this kind of creepy atmosphere, uh, throughout the song. It's, um, in general, this album has kind of a kind of a creepy kind of vibe to it. Like I, I mentioned, that kind of Halloween esque piano uh, going on in the in that first track, "The Truth Ain't Kind." Um, I, I don't know if you want to call it um, like like uh, like scary or emotional or, or haunting or whatever, but it definitely has kind of a little bit of a, a tinge of darkness to it, but without without dragging you down, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally hear that. It reminds me a little bit of what Symphony X was doing at the time on like Divine Wings of Tragedy, which would come out a year later in 1997. Um, speaking of which, that's an album we haven't done yet. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, that's um, kind of shocking, actually. Yeah, but like it has that like like slightly neoclassical, slightly dark elements with the crunchiness of the Michael Romeo guitar. It, it's very reminiscent of that to me in, in many ways. Um, and and I, I don't think there's a better example of that than Hades, which is the next track, kind of like the opening track, very, very much driven by that riff, which is just unmistakable throughout the whole song. So, in, in you, know what is, you know what song that reminds me of? That, that just the way that riff kicks in? What is it? Uh, Orion the Hunter from uh, Symphony X's Twilight and Olympus album. That just Exactly. Kind of... That chugging guitar sound. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you. And, and um. I, at least I know I'm not crazy because I, I mentioned them 30 seconds ago. But yeah, there's something. This is a kind of a shorter tune, I think, by way of comparison. It's only it's not even four minutes long, but it's a really tight. Um, I don't know, like it just this that tight guitar sound that I that I enjoy. And then all of a sudden, like kind of out of nowhere, it has like this really awesome vocal melody during the chorus, which I think is a standout on this particular track. Uh, and of all things. A bass solo, which you don't hear a lot, but when it's done well, it's actually kind of nice to hear, almost like a nod to John Myung in many ways. But that's but there is a bass solo on here, and the entire instrumental section in many ways is really just a homage to DT or Dream Theater in many ways. I think this is a very – it's like Symphony X guitar in the beginning meets Dream Theater by the end. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like that, that it, I thought that too when I was listening to the uh, – the album earlier this week that it just kind of had dream theater had what I would, I would call controlled chaos. Um, a, a perfect example, um, would probably be metropolis part one, uh, towards this, you know, it's a pretty long song, but th in the solos, there's just kind of like this chaotic keys and bass and, and all this stuff going on. And it's really like, a it's almost like a, um, a, a, a platform for these great instrumentalists, great musicians to uh, just show off how good they are at their craft. And P.S. Uh, I saw Dream Theater do images and words live, and uh, they certainly can do it live, even, <laughs> even all those years later. No uh, doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, I know I talk a lot of shit about Dream Theater live because of uh, their current vocalist, but the... Um, you know, the musicians in that band are the, some of the best ever. And uh, 
I'd have to believe, I mean, I wasn't there, but I have to believe that uh, Superior Live probably did a, a pretty a pretty serviceable job playing, you know, this isn't easy music. This is complicated stuff, especially like you said, in this song, it does have a very dream theater esque kind of uh, vibe. Like you said, starts out like symphony X and then turns into dream theater. can wonder how many bands over the years, like could be described that way. Uh, Cause those are two of the, uh, two of the contemporaries that I think many bands have uh, aimed to, to, to be like. Very well said. Very well said. I like that a lot. Um, and as we move to, I guess, side B of the album, we start with a song called Escape from Reality. It's a little bit of a longer tune. It's almost six minutes long. What are your thoughts on this one? It's, um, I love the, uh, love the, the way that, um, the vocals kind of kick off. Like, he had, the, the way he can do kind of that, like, lower, almost creepy kind of vocals, and then later on these really like powerful and a bit a bit higher like they're not like power metal high vocals but like you know the guy's got some good range and a really powerful voice but um again it, it kind of has some of that like early dream theater kind of vibe with the keys and stuff and and there's definitely some kevin moore influence on this one i think um i really like the uh the build towards the towards the or the build the build of the chorus um it's just it, it feels like it really builds and then it kind of it, it it slows down and then all of a sudden you hear like um the just this the bass drum like it, it's 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 really good uh, again it's another one of these kind of slower songs that um reminds me again of like a like symphony x in the early days didn't have a ton of songs that were like this tempo because I think of like, you know, out of the ashes where the song was just like, was blistering. And, and this is almost like symphony X at half speed, but yet still like catchy and interesting and, and, and cool. So, um, I, I like this one. I think this might be a little towards the higher end of the songs that I enjoyed on this album. It's, a bit all over the place, but somehow they make it work and come together. And I'll give you just one example of that. There's a part of the instrumental section where it almost sounds like it's a Calypso beat with this acoustic guitar and it's just out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden they go right back into, um, you know, what you kind of have come to expect at this point from the, from the band, just a really interesting approach and, and, and a way that they break up some of these songs to make them not monotonous Great stuff, just really, really intriguing. Um, but I have to say, if I had to pick maybe a second favorite song from the album, it would actually be Dreamtime, which is the next track. This track is another short ter- tune, but it's aptly named because it really does feel like you're kind of living in the dream in many ways. But the melody is so catchy and the mix is so good. And that acoustic guitar, again, it just pops on the song like this. I love it. And then there's the section where there's just vocals and the strings in the background. Just a really, really interesting song with a beautiful chorus. Um, Probably my number one underrated gem on the album because Y does get a lot of the love. But this is a a really good second track. And I'll take the liberty of posting this during the week as well just to to add some variety here. But I love this tune. Um, The... The the acoustic guitar riff to me reminded me a bit of um, uh, Degrees of Sanity by Sabotage from mm. Edge of Horns, which we've talked about. Um, 
I, there's a review of this album. Um, literally on the metal archives, there is one review ever for, for this album. And it received a 95% And the, the title of the review is prog slash power with balls. Um, <laughs> and the, uh, the, the, uh, the author is just named crossover. I'll give credit where credit is due, but he actually wrote a nice little blurb about this song. And I, rather than meander and mumble through my way of describing it, I'll use somebody who knows how to speak instead. Um, <laughs> He says, the highlight of the album for me would be the cosmic and grand ballad, Dreamtime. Just a dreamy song. The, excuse me. The production on this album is pretty crystal clear and quite sharp and compressed. There is a touch of atmospheric notes in all the songs, primarily from Keys. In this one, it is just beautiful. It is a very introspective sounding song with some additional drum sounds and orchestrations and even a flute. It is an epic, or sorry, it it is as epic as it is emotional. Honestly, one of the better songs I've ever heard. You will find it on repeat for quite a while. So obviously uh, the song made a big fan out of crossover. Um, I, I, I'm i no expert, but I feel like that's a pan flute um, that, that we're hearing at the end. Yeah, of the I think you're it, right. It reminds me quite a bit of the, uh, the Karate Kid soundtrack and just that kind of um, far East influence. Um, and I love that. I think that's such a cool addition. Um, I'm glad you chose this as a, as an additional song to post throughout the week. Cause I think it, it's probably, um, one of my favorites on the album. It's just, uh, nothing is ever going to top why I think, uh, I think it's pretty, pretty safe to say that it'll be always remain that way, but this is definitely, uh, definitely consideration for runner up. Um, you know, along with probably a handful of others, but this is really good. And I, I think um, the band really uh, shines when it comes to these like kind of spooky ballady kind of, kind of tunes. This is a good, a good, a, a really good, uh, really good tune. So uh, I'm going to make an executive decision on the fly. Let's give, uh, let's give this song a listen and we'll come back in a minute. Great idea. So we go to Tainted Silence, which is the next track. And I think that of all the tracks on the album, this is the one I think I forgot about. Um, it came back to me quickly. But when I was listening to it, I kind of forgot about it during that first listen, at least the intro. And then once we get into the proper song itself, I actually remembered it fairly well. Um, just really, really beautiful vocals with atmospheric keyboards um, and then the verses themselves are quite heavy and give me like a Crimson Glory vibe, the American prog metal band. Um, a very, very memorable chorus with vocals that just kind of push the higher bounds 
of the vocalist's register, which I thought was a nice, nice touch. Um, and, and it really pops as a result. And then there's this beautiful piano interlude. This kind of comes out of nowhere. And it reminds me of Billy Joel, which I thought was nice and kind of goes in line with what you said about that, um, that bootleg we, we, we spoke about where they did, you know, kind of a nod to other bands, but I definitely hear the Billy Joel influence here. And that would be a band that the band would cover um, during their live shows uh, at certain points. So it's, it's not too terribly surprising to me. That's a really great uh, connection there. Um, definitely agree. There's definitely a Billy Joel. I mean, I feel like anybody that plays the piano should have some, influence from billy joel the guy was an absolute master um just uh one of the the all-time greatest uh, songwriters uh singer songwriters period end of story um i uh i really would have been curious to hear this song live just to see if michael could really hit some of those notes because this is really where his um his higher range is being shown off uh, more so than uh, than on other parts of the album. It's really impressive. I like it a lot, and it's funny because this uh, the reviewer crossover also kind of made mention that um, to to Midnight, who was the singer of Crimson Glory. So there you go. Maybe it wasn't just you who made that connection. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I'm glad it's not just me. Um, if I had to knock the album for one song that just doesn't completely hook me, I think it's Total Void, which is the penultimate track. It's a solid tune, but it's a bit unremarkable. Um, good riffs, for sure. And I like how the keyboards kind of take the lead in spots and the guitars almost take a backseat to the keyboards through parts of this. Um, but I don't know. For some reason, maybe it's a bit of the odd time signatures or what, but I just this one loses me just a touch. Yeah, it's uh, it's a solid tune. Um, uh, probably on the weaker end, if if I I had to say, I, I'm agreeing with you uh, on that. But um, I think it, it, it's placed well as the second to last song, kind of um, kind of a little bit of a uh, like a prelude to what would be the the second longest song on the album until the end, which clocks in at just over seven minutes. But um, I still think it's a pretty solid song. I mean, hell, if this is the worst song on the album, I mean... They're doing something right. Yeah, what does that say about the the, the album on a whole? Um, so, yeah, um, I, I, I'm kind of with you on, on that one. Um, especially after the last couple of tunes, um, I feel like it, it falls a little bit flat, but again, still a very solid song. Um, there's really nothing uh, overly negative to say about anything on this record. And to your point, it ends well with, with until the end, this is a kind of a unique tune, a bit of an outlier on the album, but not surprising given it is the last track. Um, has it, it's, I, I, this really cool piano intro and heavy orchestration, which provide a nice combo. And then once the vocals kick in, it gives this real ballad feel in many ways, but there's a slow build here as well. And then by the last two minutes, two and a half minutes or so, it actually gets pretty heavy. Not fast, but crunchy um, with a great with a great guitar solo, which is something that there's not a thousand guitar solos on this album, but there is one here, and I think it's really, really well done. I like this track, and it's kind of this simple but dramatic tune in many ways, and it's just a solid ending to a very good album. Yeah, there's something that I just can't 
uh, put my finger on that, that this reminds me of, um, I want to say it's something from like the late eighties. I can't just, I just can't figure it out, but there is, um, almost a, a bit of a, of a Broadway or musical esque kind of vibe, especially at the beginning with the piano. It's like, uh, some sabotage know. here as well, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'll use our, our friend Crossover again to, to quote, because uh, I thought he had a nice line about uh, this song. He said, it ends with Until the End, which is a menacing yet placid ballad-like track with some impish-sounding piano. So there you go. Uh, there's some adjectives I probably would not have come up with on my own. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, I think um, it... Uh, it's kind of like the the ballad uh, the ballad counterpart to the heavy Y, which was the other epic on the album. Um, while Y does have a kind of a ballady kind of vibe to it, it also is a very heavy song and moves pretty fast once it gets going. This kind of stays, it kind of maintains a slower pace. Um, again, more of that haunting atmospheric keyboards that are kind of leading the way, almost Castlevania esque if you will, but yes, um, I yes. love, I love that um, recurring piano theme that just goes throughout the song. It's so like beautifully creepy. Um, th- there's the, th- which this album in, in general just does really well. Um, I, I have to say, I, uh, I'm embarrassed that um, I did not, take to this album as much when I was younger. But then again, like I was never, especially, I mean, I'm, I've definitely warmed up to prog music way more now than I, when I first started, it was like, like you said, it, your words exactly from earlier, dream theater or bust. Uh, for me, it was like dream theater and symphony X. And I'm like, all right, I'm good. Uh, that's all <laughs> you dipped your toe like. into the Ruby pool. And that was the end of it. Yeah. Well, once the toe, once the toe was dipped, it was, uh, you know, I, I always talk, I've always loved more melodic prog bands like Royal Hunt and later on Circus Maximus and Shadow Gallery. But um, I think this might have been just a touch out of my wheelhouse at the time. And now I go back and listen to it. And like I said earlier, like if this had come out now, I think people would have eaten it up. I think they would have been, especially at a time where, you know, p- part of the the problem could possibly have been that mid nineties metal, especially in Europe was so power metal heavy. And now it just feels like power metal is really on a decline. So I feel like if this had come out now, you wouldn't have all the power metal noise drowning it out. It really would have had a chance to shine. Um, that, I mean, maybe I'm just comparing it to my own personal experience because that's kind of how I was, but, um, there was just so much power metal in the nineties and early two thousands. And, uh, it's possible that like, maybe people were just happy with their dream theaters and their symphony X's and they weren't looking to add more to their uh, pile. But um, I think nowadays with, with those bands being as popular as they are, I feel like this band would have had more of a chance to, to really break through. Um, But uh, that said, um, if you don't know this album, never heard it, heard it years ago and forgot all about it. Listen to it last week, uh, whatever it was, (laughs) Listen to it again, or listen to it for the first time, because uh, I think it's really good, and it's um, it's it's just one of those things where it, it it's interesting because it really is uh, it fits the time that it was released, but at the same time, I feel like it would be a, a welcome a welcome addition to to the modern 
era. Uh, and I think the, the quality of production has a lot to do with that because we've listened to albums that came out well after this that don't sound this good. So, Yeah, no, no argument for me. I think that's very well said. Um, I'm, I'm glad Adam picked it. I'm glad we're going to get to speak to them and get some of our questions answered. And it will put a nice bow on what was otherwise a really enjoyable week for me. Uh, but I'll ask the uh, the the sixty four thousand dollar question: scale of one to ten, what are you rating this album? And 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 let me ask this: what would you have rated this album? Uh, you know, if 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 going into the week, in other words, based on your recollection, what was it? And what did you what are you actually giving it? Uh, my recollection probably would have put it at about a a seven to a seven point five. I would say. Um, Although if my if my idea was that the the whole album was going to sound like why I probably could have given it a, a nine point five. Sure, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I'm going to rate it uh, uh, higher than my um, than my initial uh, thought. I'm going to give it an eight point three seven five. I just ended up really enjoying it and uh, more than I. Th- the, more than I remembered, I, I'm not going to say more than I thought I would, uh, maybe a bit more than I thought I would, but I just, my memory of it was so bad and I have even less memory of the, the following two albums, which I, I'm going to probably listen to a bit more prior to us uh, speaking to the guys in the band. So I don't sound like uh, a noob that can't keep up with <laughs> bands that stopped making music 20 years ago. But um, that's where I'm at. I'm curious where you're at uh, as far as your rating goes. I'm an eight, I'm at an eight point five. By all accounts, this is a '90s prog metal classic. I will not say it's images and words or a pleasant shade of gray, but this is probably one tier below that for like '90s prog metal. Um, this is a exceptionally good album that again is ahead of its time, and it's an album that if it, if if you've never heard it. You're doing yourself a disservice. That's how good it is. It's something that should be heard. And and I, like I said, I look forward to getting some more uh, color on a lot of this stuff because it's just a fascinating time, both in the scene and and, and whatnot. And and just to be able to go back 25 plus years will be very, very nice. So kudos to, uh, kudos to Adam again. Thank you for the request. And, um, you know, that interview, look out for that interview, which will drop in the coming days. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, you know, uh, the interviews have been a little less frequent, I think, now that uh, uh, the the pandemic uh, has, has thank- thankfully ended. Um, but I think that that also gave um, some some of the artists some more free time to, to kind of uh, give a couple of uh, new podcasters in the U.S. a chance. Uh, so we, we thank everybody for uh, for tuning for joining us over the years but uh this is this is going to be really cool and i think that some of the older um metalheads that remember superior and them playing at prog power and uh we even got a blurb from uh glenn harveston who the promoter of prog power that we're gonna save for the uh the interview episode but um he i asked him for his thoughts on, on you know why you know why did he book them and and uh and um you know, uh, what was his, his memories of it and all that. So um, I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation because uh, it's just one of those things where, where you, you know, you never thought of all the things, all the people you talk to. It's like, I don't know, like the, the two guys from Superior, like well, that's a 
pleasant surprise, I would say. So it should be uh, should be really interesting and really cool. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And with that, let's uh, let's get to some news. Um, Nightwish has completed their demos for their tenth studio album, and they are set to record for what will ultimately be a 2024 release. Um, I hope it's better than the last album. I know that you enjoyed it more than I did, but I'm really curious to see where they go after an album that I don't know that it got quite the praise that many of their prior albums had. So it'll be interesting to see where the band goes from here. This is going to be a very fascinating release because if, the band was listening to the criticisms of the last album uh, and there were plenty. Um, I think I was easier on it than most, but that said the album landed at like number 22 or 23 on my albums of the year. And for a Nightwish album to land uh, that low is in and of itself a disappointment. Um, So we'll see. But um, I have to say like the lack of Marco effect, I think is, possibly starting to show um so i'm hoping that this is a big uh a big rebound i mean i wouldn't even say a big rebound the, the, uh, like people would outright say that the last album sucked i i would never say that it's a it just sucked for a nightwish album i guess which okay is kind of like a backhanded compliment or a overhanded insult uh, <laughs> um, i don't know uh or front front-handed uh, front-facing insult um i don't know um but um i guess i guess we'll see uh I, I also i also think that uh endless forms most beautiful is um much better than a lot of people uh tend to give it credit for so who the hell knows everybody's got a, a, an opinion and and uh everybody wants theirs to be heard so uh i'm sure we'll hear plenty when this album comes out but i am definitely very curious i'm almost more morbidly curious than i am actually excited (laughs) to hear it so i guess we'll we'll see we'll soon find out yeah well well said um shifting gears a bit uh another band that is quote slowly working on their new album and that's uh the American thrash band Death Angel, which we've gotten some requests for from some of our Patreon members. So we will definitely be coming that, covering them uh, in the coming months. But their new album is coming along. It looks like um, they don't have a date certain as to when it will be coming out. But uh, I suspect it will be sometime in 2024, if not possibly early 2025. But uh, that's something to keep an eye on. They are a grossly underrated band. Uh, and staying in the thrash genre... Um, if you recall the Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax shows with the Big Four that did that kind of run of shows here in the U.S., they did a stadium tour. The Big Four of German Thrash is all playing a festival together in July of 2024 in Germany, and that's uh, Creator, Sodom, Destruction, and Tankard getting together for a show. So if you are a fan of German Thrash, so the uh, the German answer to uh, the American thrash scene. This is the festival for you to check out. It's it's a pretty cool lineup. Well, um, as long as we're just talking all things German, uh, I, I'm going to share a little news myself. I don't know if you've heard about this, but did you hear about what's going on at at Vaken right now? That um, no, they they're, they have issued a travel ban for anybody driving to the festival because the inclement weather has caused the terrain to be so muddy that um, they have said um, 
if you are on your way or haven't left yet to turn around or stay home if wow. you are planning on driving to Vakken, which I think is has to take a, a pretty sizable hit um, to the the uh, attendance at, at this uh, this festival. And I, I, by the time this episode drops, um, Vakken will have uh, come and gone, I believe, because I believe it's it's set to take place this coming weekend. But um, it, it it sounds really rough. Uh, it says the organizers did not immediately say how many of the 85,000 expected visitors were already on site. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that uh, I, I actually got a text from uh, Milton earlier asking me if I had heard about it. And, and wow. it was the first I had heard that it's, that's gotta be a, a real, um, a real blow to somebody who had been looking forward to attending that you know, they call it the metal Mecca, uh, for, re- for good reason. Um, it's the biggest heavy metal festival in the world. And, uh, I mean, that's gotta be disappointing for everyone, the promoters, the bands the, to not have the, the full, uh, the full audience in play. So I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, oh, I, I agree with you. That is exceptionally sad. I'm sorry to hear that. I hope that, uh, everyone stays safe and gets there somehow, or if there's some other way to, you know, to kind of get up there, but it's in the middle of nowhere from what I understand. So it's kind of hard to get to, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously uh, everyone's health comes first. So I'm sure that they know what they're doing because they are losing a lot of money by, by turning people away. I'm sure they're going to have to issue a ton of refunds. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. Uh, we might uh, end up seeing uh, another mud, a mud fight uh, a la green day in 1994 at Woodstock 94. Uh, Huh. I remember watching with you the um, the sabotage slash TSO double staged uh, Vakin performance that was like arguably one of the coolest things I've ever seen uh, on a on a web stream. But uh, I remember it just pouring rain uh, during the set and thinking to myself, like, man, it must be like as as amazing as that set was. Like having to stand in the in the rain in a, in a big mud pit uh i don't know how enjoyable that would be but maybe i'm just old maybe not ideal for me at this point i'll I'll say that but listen i it's one of those places that i feel like you have to go to once but the older i get i just don't know if it's in the cards yeah i I, you know i like i we we always talk about the uh the metal exchange accountants and uh if they can't (laughs) send both of us to seventy thousand tons i feel like uh Vakken might be really out of the uh, out, of, out of the realm of the coffers, but um, yeah, maybe someday. Well, maybe maybe someday. Um, but before there's someday, there is next week, and next week's album is my choice. It has been quite a while since I feel like I've, I've chosen something not related to uh, the festival we're going to next month. So to that end, it was June. Your last uh, June twenty sixth was the last episode we did. Uh, of, of your choice that did not what wasn't a request or had something to do with prog power so yeah that was the emperor episode if you can well, believe that i have been sitting on this album for a year literally a year and i can think of no better time than to uh to do this album that we're going to cover next week however i'm not telling you what it is it is a complete mystery i have sent you the files so keep an eye out for that um I assure you, you have never heard of this album. So I will let me let me put this out there. You have never heard of this, and I will be willing to bet that ninety nine point nine percent of the listeners have never heard of this album. But we're covering it next week on the Metal Exchange. 
Fascinating. Uh, this would be, I guess, the second time we've done this before. Uh, yeah, and I got a kick out of it the first time. Um, this one is definitely different and, and dare I say even more obscure than that secrecy album I chose last time. So this is about as obscure as it gets, but I think it'll make for an interesting conversation. I'm not going to tell you the band. I'm not going to tell you the name of the album. I'm not telling you anything about it until after or during our discussion. I haven't even figured out when I'll tell you, but, uh, <laughs> it'll make for an interesting week, but, uh, you got the you got the album. We'll we'll reveal it in due time. But well, mystery I, I album. Wanna, I want to do want to point out that the first time that we tried doing this, you sent me an album, and I knew I knew exactly what it was after like the first couple of seconds. So uh, I, I, I believe you. If you think I don't know this, you're probably right. <laughs> but uh, uh, painstaking uh, efforts to pick something you have never heard, but I know for a fact that you've never heard it. But I think you're going to find it quite interesting. I'll leave it at that. All right, cool. I, I look forward to that. So that is all from us. If you like what you hear, give us a like and a follow. We obviously appreciate all of your support. It helps other people find the show. Do consider joining our Patreon. It helps us defray some of the costs from the show and eventually gets uh, Chris and I to whack in. So that'll be something to look forward to as well. But kidding aside, we appreciate the support and look forward to uh, coming back next week with a mystery album that um, nobody knows but me. So... <laughs> Cheers, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, buddy.